The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hey everybody, how you doing? Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, This week's show is mostly going to be interview. I don't have a lot for an intro. I'm kind of throwing this week's episode together and probably next week's too uh, before I leave on a trip. So I just wanted to make sure that I have some stuff ready for you and then I have it uh, scheduled to to post while I'm gone. But as I'm recording this, I'm I'm getting ready to leave for the UK. When this goes online, I'll probably just be coming back from the UK but on my way to New Orleans. So this week's guest is Cody Vaughn. Uh, Cody is currently on the APP Board of Directors with me, handles a lot of the membership issues, and uh, we just kind of talk about uh, fainting, really. You know, it's it's an important thing for piercers to understand how to deal with. Um, you know, you might not have a lot of clients get lightheaded or, or dizzy or pass out now, but, you know, it's going to happen to, to every body piercer sooner or later. So you really want to know how to... Um, best manage the client uh, to make sure that they are safe, to make sure that their experience isn't an unpleasant one. So there are lots of things you can do to help people avoid getting dizzy in the first place, you know, making sure they eat a meal before they come in, uh, piercing them in a, in a laying down position really helps a lot, uh, making sure that after the piercing they don't just like pop up to, to rush over to the mirror to take a look at it, you know, have them sit and just kind of focus themselves, center themselves and, and, and breathe a little bit before they get up. Uh, and if they do get lightheaded or dizzy, you know, what do you do? You know, do you have them lay down? Do you have them just sit down on the floor right where they are? Do you offer them some candy or some water or, or what do you do for them to, to keep them calm and the, the people who are with them, whether it's a parent or whether it's a friend, to keep them from, from not freaking out in, uh, in a situation that they might not have seen before. So that's basically what we talk about with uh, Cody Vaughn. Uh, next week, I will have another guest for you, although as of this recording, I have no idea who it's going to be. Um, but I, I think I have some, uh, some ideas because I have a few interviews uh, scheduled for this week before I leave. So hopefully I can get those episodes edited and, uh, and posted online. So I'm not doing that, uh, right after coming back from the UK, the, the night before I'm, I'm leaving for new Orleans. So let's get into this week's interview with Cody Vaughn and, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, hello, <clears throat> my name is Cody Vaughn. I am the owner and piercer at Vaughn Body Arts in Monterey, California. Um, I am currently serving as membership liaison for the Association of Professional Piercers. And yeah, you can check me out on social media, Vaughn Body Arts, uh, on pretty much everything, Facebook, Instagram, etc. So uh, how much like hubris did you have to muster to name your shop after yourself or or is it kind of that like bringing it back around again because like in in like earlier generations of the industry plenty of people would have their studio named after them and i think it's i think it's cool um but did anybody like give you like guff over naming it after yourself i couldn't really think of anything that like really grabbed me and the only other name that i had was Years ago, another piercer had told me, like, hey, don't tell anybody, but here's the name that I'm going to name my studio when I open it someday. And I was like, ah, oh, 
that's such a good name, but I can't steal it from you. Right. So I went with my name only because I felt like it would be uh, easily recognized by the clientele that I'd already built up in my area. And I wouldn't expect anybody outside of Piercer Nerds to get the reference, but it was also a slight nod to a little bit of piercing history just because my last name being Vaughn and then Vaughn was, you know, one of the people, of course, that opened up the first piercing studio in San Francisco, um, Mm -hmm. Body M. So I just thought like, you know, coincidental. So why not write with that? I think that's kind of cool. I think it's totally cool. Um, so a couple suggestions for alternate shop names for you. Um, okay. you could do the salty squid. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like you that. You could do, man, I can't think of any other like really bad oceanography puns. <laughs> well, what's happened is now clients come in and, uh, right after I opened and they're like, Oh, Hey, are you Vaughn? And I'm like, Oh man, that sounds way cooler than Cody. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm Vaughn. What's up? <laughs> You should change your name to, like, Cody Von Vaughn. Like, that would be pretty cool. I, I thought about that. I yeah. thought about that. So how, how long have you been piercing altogether? Um, I've been professionally piercing coming on this year's going to be 14 years that I've been professionally piercing. All right. So when you say that, that code word, professional piercing, uh, I say that a lot too, and I say, oh, I've been, you know, professionally piercing since like, you know, 2000 or something, but then I had my couple of years of like, really not professional piercing. Did you have some of that too? I kind of got lucky where um, uh, there was most definitely things in the beginning that could have been much better, but I was able to, uh, I never went down the route of like, uh, out of my house piercing or like in the back of like the clothing store piercing or anything like that so yeah. i don't have like the fun like dirty background to share like the horror stories with i mean i definitely did a lot of incompetent piercings when i first started but yeah. nothing much more exciting than that i i definitely had some maybe i'll leave that for like a future episode i can just talk about like all like the horrible blunders i've made like the stuff that <laughs> if people come to me now and they're like oh i'm doing this i'm a piercer i'd be like oh come on you you can't you can't do that you know like i did all those things but some of the things that uh, i can maybe talk about because it was actually in like a quote-unquote shop was i i worked at a a, a shop that was um basically like a walk-in closet size area in uh, an erotic massage parlor. So that was kind of an interesting scenario. Like on one side of it was like, it was all these men that would come in holding a newspaper in front of their face or just staring straight at the ground, going in for their massage appointments and then leaving abruptly after. And then just like 18-year-old goth Ryan sitting on a couch in the (laughs) lobby. If somebody would come in and, and ask for a piercing, I would do it. I think I did maybe a grand total of like, two piercings working there for three months. And then I quit because I realized that it was an like an erotic massage parlor. You know, though, with like the history of body piercing and all that, that is like really, really fitting and appropriate. It's fitting and appropriate. And like, I'm, I'm glad that I at least had some of my like sketchy experiences because like, I don't know, I have, I have a better appreciation, I guess, for, for what I've got now, you know, um, I used to have to buy my, my piercing needles at a head shop. And they mm. would they would order them like you know in a, a I want to I want to do like air quotes but since no one can hear that you know quote unquote <laughs> sterilized needles they would they would just show up from who knows where in a package you know processed who knows how and you know I'd buy those needles and then um, a friend of mine 
put me onto this leather shop that was actually right here in Nashua, New Hampshire called Spanker's. And uh, he would he would call him up and he'd be like, oh, Spanker, I'm going to send my buddy and he's going to get some some piercing needles. So I would go in there and I would buy my piercing needles from Spanker's leather for a while. And, I, you know, I if I didn't have that, you know, and if I had just been just in a studio, you know, and had like actual guidance or an apprenticeship or something like that, um, you know, I probably would have been a lot better, a lot faster. But, you know, I don't mind that I had some of those really weird uh, you know, alternative experiences when I was getting into it because I, I just really appreciate like everything that I've got now. Oh yeah, for sure. I think it's safe to say now we're, uh, we're pretty spoiled as far oh, yeah. as things go. Our supplies, our jewelry and everything else, you know, things are definitely much, much different now. Yeah. When I, when I apprenticed Evan, I, I walked him through all that stuff. I was like, all right, just realize where you're at, you know, in, in reality, you know, like you're, you're learning to pierce, you're performing your first piercings with like neo metal, anatomy metal, body vision. Like you, you have every piece of equipment, sterilization stuff, tools, the best needles, you have whatever available to you in this safe environment, you know, but, uh, you know, I did not have that. So, um, it's cool <laughs> that I can offer that to, to people that I train now, but, um, I, I did definitely did not have that when I started. Yeah. Just kind of like a, a topic that popped into my head earlier is I had a client in, a uh, teenage girl getting her nostril pierced, and um, when I when I pierce people, I have them laying down, and then I just have this natural moment where you know I, I tell them, oh, just lay there and relax. I'm just going to clear away this tray full of stuff, and then you can check it out in the mirror, and you know, and I take my time with it, take my gloves off, wash my hands, and then I'm like, okay, now you can get up and check it out. So they don't just pop right up after getting a piercing. Uh, so that, that usually eliminates most people getting lightheaded or, or faint, but, um, she looked at it in the mirror. Uh, we started talking about aftercare and it was maybe like five minutes after the piercing was done. All the color just drained out of her face and she started to get kind of weak in the knees and then she had to lay down for a little while. And, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't full on fainting because she wasn't unconscious at any point, but you know, she definitely was, was heading that way. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, me me noticing her getting lightheaded and having those cues where I'm talking to her and she's just kind of trailing off or whatever, you know, I knew that she needed to lay down. So uh, that's kind of just some stuff I wanted to talk about for, for piercers that might not have have had those situations yet or, or don't really know how to, to deal with it. Um, you know, I, I, I would classify that as first aid, um, even though, you know, the person doesn't have a cut or, a, you know, an injury or anything like that. But you need to know, like how to handle those situations when they happen. But I think it's also really important to know how to maybe try to avoid those situations and keep people from getting lightheaded or faint. So how often does that come up for you? You know, it doesn't happen terribly often now, but kind of a quote unquote, funny story, not funny story. When I opened up my studio, I was really, really happy with the location and, um, you've been to my studio before, Ryan. So you've seen it. It's, yeah, it's nothing but windows just nothing but windows so we get tons of sunlight and i moved in i'm like oh man this is great you know the visibility all the windows the lighting it's so bright and welcoming that's awesome but what nobody told me moving in is how incredibly hot it gets in the studio like right. uncomfortably hot so on you know a decent day outside where it's like you know it's like high 50 60 degrees a little breeze or whatever it'd easily be high 80s in the studio wow and uh for anybody that works as a professional piercer we know that one way a person can definitely start to feel lightheaded or queasy after a piercing is if it's really hot inside of the studio mm. um so i 
tried, you know, one thing after the other. You know, I got the windows tinted. That didn't really help. Uh, I had ceiling fans put in. That didn't really help. And where I live in Monterey, it's uh, the kind of climate we really, you know, up until recently, we don't get like extremes. We don't get extreme cold and we don't get extreme hot. So air conditioning isn't really a thing out here unless you're going into like a big, big building, you know. So I finally bit the bullet and I had um, actual air conditioning installed. And since then, it's been wonderful because now I can control the temperature and it never gets too hot no matter what it's like outside. It's nice and perfect inside the studio. But uh, for me, in my experience, that was definitely one of the big reasons. I know there's other reasons, too, why people can get lightheaded and possibly faint afterwards. But that was a big one for us was the hot, hot temperature in the studio. Yeah, I I think for me the the hottest heat is that body heat that you get you know so even though i have you know air conditioning uh, and I have you know, ventilation in my piercing area when I have a really busy day and just people coming in and coming out and people that are getting like nervous and they're generating all this body heat, that room really does start to, to heat up and you, I really start to feel it. You know, my hands are sweatier, so it's harder to put on gloves and mm-hmm. you know, I'm just starting to feel kind of gross in the armpits and everything like that. And so I'm cranking up my air conditioning, but man, I can't imagine what it would be like in a studio that didn't have air conditioning for a little while. I think that would just be really uncomfortable for me. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was pretty bad for a while. It was pretty much just like, you know, hey, we this is our situation, so deal with it and try to do the best that you can. Right. And uh, I wasn't quite prepared for how much money it costs to have air conditioning installed, but uh, just given how, you know, I want everything in the studio to look really, really nice. I want, you know, my jewelry displays and the decor. I want everything to be welcoming and inviting for the customers. And I was like, you know what, like, this is just this is money I have to spend as a business owner. I need to do this. And it was the best money that I ever invested so far. It was just a little thing that most people probably want to think about, but just given our situation and our climate out here in Monterey, it's like, okay, yeah, air conditioning was the way to go. It's good but, though that, um, uh, like you noticed that, that it was like a mandatory expense, you know, it, because I, I think I think there are some shops where they kind of say, well, you know, we'll deal with it, or we'll just get a fan, you know, for for just the owner's station or, or something like that, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. to to say like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put in a pretty big investment that maybe isn't a hundred percent necessary by some people's definition, but it's necessary by my definition. So let's just kind of bite the bullet and go for it. I, I remember when I moved into my building, uh, it was the same kind of thing. It was like, well, I I can pay just enough to get like decent stuff to to make it a little bit warm and a little bit cool but i want like really nice units so that people are going to be comfortable in there and they're not just kind of like dealing with it mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and you know at the end of the day i mean i think that's really what it comes down to you know being a studio owner is you know there's those expenses that you you just have to do when it's you know for the better of the customers or the better of you know your employees making sure everybody's comfortable and happy and pleasant with where they're at yeah yeah uh, do you do anything else in your in your process to try to keep people from fainting? So, you know, if you said that it's not much of an issue now, you know, I feel like that would be part of human nature. You know, you, you poke someone with a needle, some people are going to get faint or lightheaded. So if you have, if that's a rarity for you and you're not getting that very often, there must be something involved in your process, you know, whether it's your demeanor or whether it's, you know, insisting that clients have a meal before they come in or different stuff. Like, what are some of the things that you just kind of roll into your process so that you can keep clients comfortable and and avoid situations like that. Well, I mean, you hit a a whole lot of it, Uh, you know, making sure somebody's eaten before they've come in, I think is a really important question. And especially, you know, being in a town, you know, with so many college students, you got to ask like, have you eaten like 
today. And like, that doesn't mean like I had like a little bag of chips or something like mm-hmm. at nine o'clock this morning. And now we're sitting here at two 30 in the afternoon. So, you know, making sure that somebody's eaten, um, you know, paying attention to, uh, their nervousness level. Like I think you over time can kind of read people really well. Yeah. And another thing that I think is really, really helpful is like kind of slowing things down in the piercing room. Um, we're not like a high, high volume shop, you know, we're not doing like 60 piercings, a hundred piercings a day. So we have the luxury, if you will, that like, we don't really have to rush it with the clients. You know, we get to move at a pretty, you know, relaxed pace with everybody. So I think slowing down with your client inside of the piercing room from the very beginning just helps to kind of bring the nerves down a little bit your demeanor, you know, how you talk with the people, like how fast you talk or how excited you come across, I think can kind of bubble up the energy and make people a little bit more on edge. And, uh, I tell every client, you know, I do the majority of my piercings with the client, you know, laying on the table as well. So always telling them afterwards, like, all right, you know, we're all done. Uh, I don't want you to stand up yet, but why don't you go ahead and slowly sit up and just check yourself out in the mirror and we'll kind of go from there. And after they sit up, you know, spend a little time cleaning off their piercing a little more, showing them in the mirror with them still sitting, like how to clean their piercing just kind of eats up a little bit more time, kind of lets them kind of settle back in after that, you know, big rush of the piercing itself, I think helps a whole bunch. And, uh, you know, the little tips and tricks like you talked about, you know, really looking at a person's demeanor, their body language, like, are they starting to get like the little beads of sweat on their forehead? Are they looking like a little clammy? You can always see it in the lips, you know, the, the, the pinkish hue of the lips, all of a sudden you can just see it literally just run down and drain to that like clammy, like really pale color. And you're like, all right, we're going to, gonna lay down for another minute there and you know get you a cup of water get you a little piece of candy what uh the person today uh, she just went like almost translucent she got really pale but then i i saw like her like veins in her face and i was like oh okay you don't have any blood in your face right now you should probably lay down (laughs) exactly you know laying down on the table buckle up your knees nice and high to get that blood pressure back up in the head and you know not rush the client um, years ago, uh, when I, when I first started piercing, I had a, a really nice, uh, uh, client, um, after her piercing young girl, like 16, 17 years old. And afterwards she got a little lightheaded in the lobby and she fainted, which like I tell clients now, like, you know, Hey, fainting isn't like a big deal or anything. It's not the end of the world, but hitting your head on something going down is a big deal. So that's yeah. what we really want to avoid happening. Um, and this poor thing with no notice, you know, sometimes they kind of give you the signs where it's like, whoa, they're kind of swaying a tiny bit while they're standing there. I should go like grab them by the arm and just walk them over to the couch or something. Mm -hmm. Just no heads up whatsoever. And this poor thing just dropped to the ground. And, uh, this was at a different studio that I was working at, um, hard concrete ground. And the poor thing just knocked herself right out. And, uh, played it on the safe side and the ambulance was called and everything, you know, she was fine. You know, she didn't suffer like any kind of, you know, bad, bad injury. But, um, from that early experience, when I first started piercing, that was, uh, my lesson learned the hard way of like, okay, this is really serious. If somebody were to go down and hit their head, you know, in a really bad way, you know? Right. So yeah, like to really take it slow with the clients yeah. afterwards and letting them know, you know, a lot of people feel embarrassed, you know, they're like trying to play it off. So, that whole like controlling the piercing room sort of thing, you know, like, no, like I want you to stay sitting down for right now or like, no, like let's go sit on the couch. And I want you just to, just to hang out for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, when, when people get, 
people get in a situation like that, they, they tend to feel embarrassed, you know, so I always try to disarm their, their embarrassment by just telling them about the times that I've gotten lightheaded, you know, like I used to, yeah. I used to pierce myself a lot when I was younger, you know, I, I had kind of trust issues, like letting other people pierce me. And, you know, I remember doing certain stuff where I was like looking in the mirror and trying to concentrate really hard on it. And then I was like, Oh, okay, I'm getting tunnel vision. I should probably lay down for a minute. And, you know, so I'll, I'll tell customers stories like that, you know, or, or sometimes when I'm, getting a, a piercing by someone else or tattooed by someone else, you know, I can get a little bit lightheaded and, you know, sometimes it's just, uh, it's an automatic response, you know, you can't fight it. So I think if you disarm the tension, you disarm the, the nervousness and the embarrassment, then, then people don't care. And then they're fine to just lay there and relax. But when people are kind of in that mindset of, um, I should be embarrassed, I'm being a bother, I'm inconveniencing them, they're a professional, they're busy, whatever. Those are the people that constantly try to like sit up before they're ready. You know, they, oh, no, I don't want water. I don't want, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But it's like, you know what? I, I don't I don't care if there's a lobby full of people. I'm focused on you right now, you know? So if you don't feel 100%, I'm not going to just shove you out the door. Like, just breathe, just relax, lay there, put your legs up. Um, how do you feel about, like, do you ever give clients something to eat or, or drink when they get in a situation like that? Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, we've always got, you know, the, the water dispenser handy for if people get a little thirsty or, you know, if they're, you know, of course, feeling a little lightheaded or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, we keep all of the, uh, all of our jewelry manufacturers, as you know, send us candy with oh, our yeah. orders. So we've just always held on to that candy is like, cool candy for when we're doing kids earlobes and candy for when people get a little lightheaded. So we'll offer people, you know, a little piece of candy. What I think is a overkill is years ago I had somebody, uh, EMT that was a client of mine. He gave me some smelling salts Mm -hmm. and he was like, Hey man, if you ever have somebody like go down, like just use one of these. I'm like, Oh cool. Like that's great. And, uh, one day, you know, I was bored at work with, uh, my coworkers and we're like, you guys ever smelled one of these? We should do this. So we cracked open one of the smelling salts, and I don't know if you've had the pleasure of oh, yeah, smelling I have. one of them, but uh, yeah, they are unbelievably strong and hit you right inside the sinuses. It's crazy, and they are just not necessary for somebody fainting no, after a piercing. Not. The thing about I mean, those is that a lot of people might not know because you hear that that term "smelling salts" and you're like, "Oh, you know, it does it smell." Isn't like salt. ammonia? Right? It's ammonia. Yeah, it's an ammonia yeah. inhalant, so it's not actually. Like, you're not breathing something in that's curative. Like, you're breathing in ammonia that burns your sinuses, and that burning is what's supposed to snap you out of it, not the actual scent of it. It's the pain that it causes. So, yeah, yeah I mean, not a great idea. Yeah, and I've never had a client that, you know, was out of it for more than, you know, what, like a few seconds, yeah. maybe 10 seconds, 15 seconds, something like that. Um, side note on this whole story about fainting, I had... Uh, a friend of mine, uh, a piercer friend, uh, Gary, he worked in San Francisco, and he had this thing where any time a client would pass out, he would ask them, did you dream? And he said that he had countless clients in like the 10 seconds or 15 seconds or whatever it was where they were kind of out of it, be like, yeah. I did kind of have like a little quick dream. And what? he was like, what was it? And this is coming from him. So, you know, Gary might be completely full of it i don't know but uh love you gary but um he said he had countless clients say that they dreamt that they were in water drowning or just in water and that he was reaching his hand in and picking them up out of the water and i was like that's that's weird pretty cool i mean it's I'm not cool, saying but it's weird. i've never experienced that but i just think that's a cool story yeah 
Huh. I should start asking my clients that. I usually joke with them, and uh, if anybody, like, passes all the way out, you know, they get that moment. I, I don't know if it's the same for, for everybody, but for me, I feel like um, people don't just, like, pass out like a switch. You know, it's like a, it's this, you know, tunnel vision to blackness. Sometimes it's five seconds. Sometimes it's 30 seconds or whatever. But, uh, mm-hmm. and then when they snap out of it, it's usually pretty abrupt. Like, that's when, like, the switch is flipped, you know. So usually I'll, I'll, uh, I'll wait. I'll, you know, pay attention to them, and then right when they snap out of it, they look right at me, and I just go, welcome to the future! And that, that usually gets a good laugh out of at least, like, their friend in the room, but... Um, that is my favorite part, though, is when they come back, too. Yeah? And there's that split second where it's almost like they're waking up, and they're looking at you, and they almost feel like they've just woken up, like they should be at home or something, and yeah. you can see that thought come across their face. Of, or that complete confusion about, like, why is this guy in my bedroom? Why am I waking up and seeing your face right now? Yeah, I love I love that one because you can just see they are completely thrown off by that, and it's like, hey, welcome back, <laughs> you did great. <laughs> I I find that when when people do get to that point where they actually do pass out, that just saying their name can can be enough to bring them back pretty instantly, you know. So I'll always uh, I'll always look at someone's release form right before I pierce them, and I have an awful memory, but I at least train myself like I'm gonna remember this person's name for at least the next five minutes, you know. Oh and yeah. So yeah, if yeah. they go out, then I then I can say, okay, you know, so and so, you know, Mackenzie or, or or whatever your name is, uh, you know, can you hear me? Are you doing okay? And like when they hear their name, they'll they'll start responding. But um, so for the, for people listening, some of the some of the tricks that that I have noticed for uh, not I mean it shouldn't be called a trick because it's not a trick, but like some of the some of the cues that I pick up on now is um, when I'm when I'm walking through someone's someone's aftercare with them, I really like to lock eyes with them, not in a creepy way, but you know I like to actually look at their pupils, you know, and if their if their pupils are getting gigantic, if they're getting dilated, you know, I I know that they're they're probably not feeling so great, you know, they, and, and if people aren't feeling good, they're not going to be listening to you. They might be like nodding their head or saying like, uh-huh, uh-huh, but they might not be paying attention. So it's kind of a double thing. You know, I like to look at them so I can make sure that they're paying attention to what I'm explaining, but I also like to look at their eyes, make sure they're doing okay. And then, you know, just like you said, uh, if they start to get pale, if they start to get those little beads of sweat, you know, that's when I'll talk to them and be like, oh, how are you feeling? Are you feeling okay? You want to sit down for a minute? Can I get you a cup of water or anything like that? And that's usually enough to diffuse the situation. But, uh, you know, if people don't have those cues or if they start to get a little bit fuzzy, you know, maybe a couple of minutes after the piercing, you know, I, I think it's really important for all piercers to know how to deal with that because, you know, I remember, you know, certain stories where people would say they would just let people flop down on the ground and, you know, they would take a picture of them as a joke or they would just do things that just weren't oh, professional. No. Like, you know, you're there yeah. to take care of somebody, you know, and, and keep them safe. And you really don't want anybody passing out, you know, landing on a floor or doing anything like outside of your control zone. So, you know, you want them laying down where you pierce them uh, in, a, in a nice, safe, safe place. And you want to pay attention to them and, and make sure that they feel comfortable and they, they make sure you know, that they're not just going to drop out again as soon as they walk out your door. Yeah, absolutely. And and just in general, like the whole, uh, you know, going in to get a piercing, it's such, it's much more of a pleasurable experience and so much more pleasant. If you have a full meal in your stomach, you're not all, you know, jacked up on caffeine and energy drinks and all that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, fainting, of course, but just overall experience, you know, that's just great advice for anybody going in for a piercing. It's like, hey, like, have a full full stomach, you know, eat food before you go in there, you know, 
don't go too crazy with the coffee and, you know, the energy drinks and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that helps a bunch. I think all of it's really easy to prevent or at least keep an eye on. Um, the biggest concern, of course, just making sure a client, you know, doesn't actually hurt themselves by fainting. But, uh, I think one of the most difficult situations to manage is a minor fainting with, uh, their parent, you know, especially mom standing right off to the side because a couple of occasions where, you know, I had the youngster, kind of get a little lightheaded and you know when people start to kind of go out they do the little twitchy thing mm -hmm. and uh it's pretty hard to get a parent in that moment to understand like hey they're perfectly fine i've got them i'm holding them laying them down on the table getting their knees buckled up but you know i've had a couple of parents where you know they thought it was some sort of a legitimate like like something a seizure wrong. Or something. like a right. seizure or something terrible's happening it's like no no i got that so again that really ties in with the whole you know control the piercing room you know you as the piercer are in charge there and you got to control the actions and events going on there and that can be challenging with the parents there yeah i mean i i can see that as challenging but for whatever reason i don't know if i've been fortunate in in my clientele but i think moms are just moms in general are just tough people because they've had to raise children and i think that is just you know it toughens people up and uh, I, I think a lot of moms, like when they've when they've seen their kids get lightheaded, as long as I'm, you know, taking care of them and controlling the situation, they tend to just sit there and they, they kind of wait. You know, maybe they can look a little tense on their face, um, but I haven't had anybody be like, my baby, or like try to <laughs> jump in and rescue or anything like that because, you know, I'm communicating with the parent as I'm paying attention to the, the, the customer, you know, so... I'll tell you know, oh, this is normal. This can happen. Uh, they'll snap out of it in just a few seconds. You know, they're going to seem pretty confused. You know, or if I forget their name, you know, oh, what's her name? You know, so I can say something. You know, all that. And usually they're pretty fine with it. You know, they'll 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 be close and they'll be attentive, but you know, uh, they haven't been uh, overbearing in in my experience just yet. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's different from from situation to situation. But a lot of times, like moms are, are pretty tough about it because you know they you know you have to deal with everything. You have kids. You know, you have to. Just deal with every weird thing that kids do. Oh, God, yes, I know. <laughs> See, I don't. I don't have any human children, so uh, I don't really fully get it. So maybe my, my empathy meter is a little turned down. But uh, I'm, I'm really good at, in my opinion, I'm, I'm really good at taking care of clients when they're in a situation like that and just kind of keeping them focused. What's, uh, what's your opinion on something like glucose? Are you pro, anti, indifferent? Uh, you know, I, I think it's a little bit of a, it could be a slippery slope. Right. Um, when I first started piercing, I had also just finished going through um, school to get my certification as an EMT. Um, because before I started piercing, that's what I thought I was going to get into as a profession. Uh -huh. I went from being a, an embalmer funeral director, and then I did the EMT thing. And then I was in the process of wanting to apply for jobs as an EMT. And then, you know, my piercing apprenticeship started. So um, at the time, you know, I had, you know, a fairly good amount of knowledge just, you know, from, you know, taking the courses and uh, having the, the certificate at the time for it. And depending on where you live, like the whole like administering any kind of medicine, like, you know, what's legal, what's illegal, you know, you can't give somebody that Advil because because, you know, what if they have a, an allergic reaction to it and right. the whole administering glucose. And I kind of like with the whole, like, smelling salt thing, I think it's just a little more than what most situations would require. Mm -hmm. um, I would say if a piercer is doing that and they feel that it works really well for them, I would just 
encourage them to reach out to the, you know, their local health department, whoever it is that, you know, enforces their regulations, if they have regulations where they live, and just make sure it's on the up and up uh, legality-wise, that you're not uh, treading into any murky territory by giving clients something like glucose. Right. Yeah, that makes sense, you know, because some people might look at it as like, well, what's the difference between giving them a glucose tablet versus giving them a Jolly Rancher? But, yeah. uh, you know, glucose tablets, that is sold as like, you know, as, as, as sort of a medicine kind of thing, you know, kind of on that same level as, you know, Tylenol or Advil or something like that. And I don't think I would give my clients an Advil, but uh, there have been times where I have given clients uh, something like a glucose tablet just because, you know, they've they've laid there for five minutes, they've had some water, we've talked, you know, and they, they said that maybe they had a snack, but maybe they didn't have a meal and, and mm-hmm. just nothing's really bringing them around and making them comfortable. So there have been a couple of times where I've done it and gotten good results, but I, I, I never actually thought about that talking to my, my health department and see if they had an issue with it or not, or, or see if they would maybe give me some sort of like a piece of paper that says like, yeah, you're okay to do that kind of thing. But, uh, that's a, that's a good, uh, that's a good issue to bring up. Yeah. Like anything else. I mean, uh, you know, you might live in an area where that's completely fine on like a County, uh, uh, countywide regulation or statewide regulation, whereas, you know, another piercer in another place that might expressly be listed as something you can't do, you know, kind of like topical uh, uh, anesthetics and stuff, you know, in one spot outright written in the regs, you can't do any topical anesthetic or somewhere else. It's perfectly fine. So, yeah, it's always the old saying, you know, read the manual, Mm. read the label, check your regs. So since you brought that up, like, what's your opinion on topical anesthetics? Because I'm, I'm completely against it. Like, sometimes people have come in and they've said, oh, well, you know, my, my doctor gave me some Emla or I put like a, you know, a lidocaine patch on or whatever. And, and I've, I've turned those people down because I, medication aside, uh, I feel like it, it makes the skin almost like rubbery, you know, and I, if it's affecting blood flow or, or just elasticity or what, like, I, I really don't want to pierce anyone if there's like an unknown chemical in the area you know i just don't want to have to worry about the the liability or the the results from something like that i completely agree with you um i'm not of the mindset of like no if you want this piercing or you know if you want this tattoo like you have to earn it like Mm. you have to suffer through the pain it's like no like i'm not trying to hurt clients you know i want to try to make the experience as pleasant as possible usually when clients will ask like you know hey do you numb in i usually tell them you know there's really nothing i could put on you topically that's really going to make it where you don't feel the piercing the only thing that would really take away the pinch completely would be for me to inject you with something which one at least where i live and probably where most people live would be illegal for me to inject you with something right and two the injection is going to hurt way more than the majority of the piercings that we're offering people and usually when i give them you know that little story they're like oh okay it's like yeah it's not going to be that bad but i mean i haven't had very many occasions where somebody's come in and they've obviously had something sitting on their skin but you know as long as i can properly clean it off and you know get my skin prep and everything on there it's like all right but I I really don't see the need or the purpose of like lathering people up with some sort of a, you know, numbing agent. And I would also be concerned, like, well, how are you doing that? Like, do you have a big tube in your studio that you're just like using on everybody? Because that kind of falls right in line with like, hey, you want to have like a big tub of lubricant that you use for each client. You know, we want the single use packets, you know, and everything else single use. So, yeah, I'm not a fan personally. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not into it. You know, it doesn't really happen that much now because I think Emla has kind of fallen out of fashion with the, the medical community. 
but uh, I, I remember getting it a lot, you know, in the, the 2000s, you know, up to, you know, maybe like five years ago, you know, people would come in every now and then with like a, a patch on their navel or something like that. And I'd be like, well, <laughs> you know, I, I'm personally not comfortable with it, but, you know, come back tomorrow. I promise I'll make it as easy as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just not into it. it. It has nothing to do with that whole you have to earn it thing, because I would love to get pierced with no pain myself. I, I as you get older... Are, are you like me? Are you just like just not at all interested in getting hurt anymore? Oh God, no, I'm such a baby now. Yeah. Like when when I when I get tattooed or something now, every time I'm like, what? Why am I doing this? Like yeah. this is stupid. Yeah. Like I'm such a such a baby about this sort of stuff. No, like tattoos hurt when you get older. Piercings, yeah, they still feel about the same. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I've had very. I, However many piercings I've had in my life, I think I've only had a very, very small handful of them done by other people. So I, I feel like maybe it wasn't as terrible when I was piercing my own. It's been like 10 years since I pierced myself or something like that. But uh, I do not like it anymore. You know, when people ask me like, hey, you know, you want to get this thing if you're visiting my shop? And I'll be like, no, thanks, but I appreciate it. How about we go to dinner instead? <laughs> Uh, I, I'm I'm fine with the piercing stuff. Um, as you already know, I work at the Fakir Intensives in San Francisco. I'm one of the instructors, and a part of that is you're going to get pierced because we have to demo things to students, and oftentimes, you know, that's going to be like, well, okay, nobody nobody wants to get an eyebrow. Like, come on, you guys should know how every piercing feels like, so you can, you know, give a good description for clients. And so, countless times where it's like, okay, nobody wants it, so uh, okay, Jeff do my eyebrow or uh during uh our rituals you know we'll we'll do uh stuff at the end of the week with the students where we do um like uh hook pulls or cheek spears so um i don't know how many times i've i've had a cheek spear done and you would think it would be pinchier you would think over time like getting older that would be uh less pleasant but yeah not a big deal so what would you say is uh more unpleasant doing a cheek spear or wearing a sarong um oh god See, I, I just I couldn't chalk either one of them in a negative light. I just enjoy both of them so much. <laughs> I love the sarong because Jeff almost comes up almost every time he'll come up with a completely ad lib on the spot song about getting undressed and putting on the sarong. And every time it's just a beautiful song, but he can never remember the lyrics the same, you know, twice. Wow. Um and then the cheek spears are always fun. You know, it's pretty cool having a guy like Fakir, you know, one of our, you know, pioneers in, you know, the body piercing world do a cheek spear on you. So having Fakir do a cheek spear, you know, countless times on me has always been like a really fun experience. And then uh, one time uh, my, my wife, uh, Brittany, who's also a piercer, she uh, was taking one of the Fakir classes. And we had a line of people set up to do the cheek spears at the end of class for the ritual. And uh, she was like, hey, Jeff, do you want to do mine? He's like, yeah, okay. So um, comes up, and Jeff does my cheek spear, and then he does Brittany's cheek spear. And she was like, oh, okay, you know, that wasn't so bad. He was like, thanks, that was the second time we've ever done a cheek spear. And she was like, <laughs> what? And he was like, yeah, Cody's five minutes ago. That was my first. <laughs> wow. But he did a fantastic job. Yeah, that's one of those phrases that you really do not want to hear immediately after a piercing. It's like, oh, that was my my first or my second, or I haven't done one of those in ten years, or something like that. Uh, good not story. Bad for the first try. Yeah, good story that I'll put out there is uh, I had that happen with a triangle piercing, and oh, that is no. not something you want to hear. But the thing about it is, I I made it clear to the person. I was like, look, I've only done this one other time before. Do you want to come in and, and let me like? 
do this as, as practice on you. You know, you have it, it was a it was a, a girlfriend of a friend. Uh, she wanted a VCH, and we were doing an anatomy check for that. And I was like, "Oh, you're really well suited for a for a triangle." Blah blah blah, and uh, she went with it. But you know, I I disclosed to her ahead of time that I haven't done many of these. But when I did it, she's like, "Oh, it's great. I love it. I love how it came out." And I was like, "Yeah, not so bad for my second or third or whatever one it was." And she and she just went like super pale, and she was like, "Oh my god, that's that's how many you've done." And it's like, "Yeah, like what? Why do you think I was asking if I could practice? Like it's nobody asks to practice something they've done a thousand times." Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a rough one. <laughs> um, so, what's it like working with a, a spouse in your studio? Is that is that cool all the time, or it, does that like do you do you take tension from home into the work environment sometimes? Because I know you know Jeff and Laura and Adam and Shelby, and there are all these like couples that have these great dynamics, and uh, I don't I I feel like I would murder someone if I was at home with them all day and then at work with them all day. I could definitely see how that could be an issue for any two people, you know, to spend that much amount of time with each other. Um, I just consider myself really, really fortunate that Brittany and I just have a really, really good relationship on so many different levels that we just get along. Like, you know, we see each other all morning at home, then we work together all day, and then we see each other all night at home, you know, with the kids and whatnot. And, we love it. We get along great. You know, there's, you know, of course, at some point, you know, couples are going to, you know, bicker or have an argument and whatnot. But we've always done a really good job with not letting that, you know, come into the studio or affect the way that we interact with each other or anybody else during the workday. So I think it definitely takes the right couple to be yeah. able to do something like that, you know. Um, but for us, at least, like, uh, I love it. I get to see my wife all day and all night and spend tons of time with her. So, uh, I have no complaints. I think it's awesome. Gross. You guys are in love. That's <laughs> disgusting. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Why can't everybody just be like grouchy and, and miserable like me? <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's kind of like all I, I wanted to talk about with, uh, the fainting thing. And I know you have, you know, stuff that you have to do tonight, but I think we should, uh, we should find another topic and we should do a, another one of these sometime. We have a little bit more time to chat. Yeah, I'd really like to. Um, like I said, Wednesday, I don't have anything like scheduled or anything except for picking up the kids from school later on. So if you wanted to pick up again, like in the morning or afternoon on Wednesday, if you have any other topics that pop up or that I can think of between now and then. Wednesday is going to be tough. Uh, I So uh, I'm super cool and I really like wrestling, professional wrestling. And <laughs> uh, I'm actually leaving for the UK uh, Thursday night. So Oh, rad. Uh, and I'm going to be there for the weekend. And then after that, I'm going straight to new Orleans for WrestleMania week. So I'm going to be out of my shop for like a week and a half and poor Evan, poor nicest person in the world. Evan is going to cover all my piercing shifts for me while I'm gone. (laughs) So I'm forcing him to take Wednesday off, um, before he has to work like basically two weeks straight without a, a day off, except Sundays when we're closed. So I'll be working Wednesday, and already that morning I have an uh, an interview scheduled with Georgina from Black Diamond. Do you know Georgina? Oh, very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so I'm gonna do one with her, and I'm still trying to get Whitney Thompson nailed down because she's you know she's getting ready to move to Dandelion, so I really wanted to do an, uh, a podcast with her about like. You know, she, I, I'd imagine she's incredibly nervous for, for that move, you know, not only switching shops, but like, you know, moving, you know, pretty far from, from her home. So I really want to talk to her. But uh, I, I think, you know, a couple weeks down the road or a couple months down the road, you and I should get together or maybe at conference or something like that. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. 
Uh, one, one last thing. Do you think Fakir would be open to talking to me on the podcast? Um, I think it would, um, definitely be a possibility. Yeah. It would just have to be the right time just with Fakir being older now, you know, he yeah. just gets a little tired a little bit quicker. Yeah. Yeah. It makes um, sense. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely want to rule it out. Um, yeah, we, we, we have, uh, our next advanced class is uh, April 11th, so just in a couple weeks here, um, me and Jeff and uh, Brittany and several other people, we're all going to be out at the yeah. advanced class. Maybe maybe grease those wheels, because I'm going to be out in San Francisco at the beginning of June, so if uh, if it could line up and if he's interested, I would I would definitely love that. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely put the word in there, see if we can make it happen. Awesome, I appreciate it. Cool, yeah. so uh, one more time for the, the folks listening, uh, where's, your, where's your shop, what's your social media, all that stuff? Oh, thank you, Ryan. So, again, my name is Cody Vaughn. Thank you guys for uh, listening for a little bit. I hope it was entertaining. Uh, my studio is called Vaughn Body Arts, located in Monterey, California. Um, membership liaison for the Association of Professional Piercers and an instructor for the Pekir Intensives in San Francisco. You can find us at vonbodyarts.com. We also have an online store. Uh, uh, money, money, jewelry, <laughs> online store. Um, and yeah, I, I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Thanks for having me, Ryan. You're welcome. Uh, thanks for talking to me. I really appreciate it. And I'll yeah, talk, to sure. talk to you soon. Awesome, buddy. Thank you. Cool. All right, thanks for talking to me, Cody. I always appreciate it when piercers can uh, find some time to fit me into their schedules. I know things can get a little hectic sometimes. You know, we're on kind of that second shift, 12 to 8 kind of sweet spot schedule, and people have families and responsibilities before work and after work, and that whole, like, get home at 9 and then start cooking dinner kind of thing can be a little bit tough for people. So I always appreciate it when people find some time to chat with me. Uh, keep in mind that I've got uh, classes open for registration in Boston, Chicago, and San Francisco. You can find all the information at precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars. And I'll be back next week with another show for you. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.